Welcome to the Winning with Shopify podcast. This is the podcast that will teach you to take your Shopify store and turn it into a business-growing sales machine. It has the latest marketing, email, sales, SEO, and social media advice, and also has strategies and tips from the experts without fluff. Your host is Nick Truman. He's a Shopify expert and an education partner with the Shopify-approved course, 1,000 Sales and Beyond. He's the CEO of JustAskParker.com, a global specialist marketing agency for Shopify owners. Nick has over 13 years experience in digital marketing from PPC and SEO through to digital transformation of businesses. He's helped hundreds of brands from startup Shopify stores through to international enterprises that operate in hundreds of countries. Nick will be sharing his knowledge and interview the experts to help you in your journey to success. Also, don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you never miss an episode. Now, here's your host, Nick Truman. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of the Winning with Shopify podcast. For those of you who haven't tuned in before or haven't tuned in since June, my name's Nick Truman. I'm the CEO here at Just Ask Parker, and I've now taken over hosting the podcast from my lovely colleague, Caroline. We're in the middle of a series at the moment. Today is episode three of the Bright Pearl report that has been released called Winners and Losers. If you want to get a free copy of that report, it is only available at the moment to listeners of this podcast. And the place you can get hold of the reports is by going to brightpearl.com forward slash winners and losers. So that's winners, A-N-D, losers. And the code you need to use is brightpearl, all one word in capitals. So if you haven't got a copy of that report, go and check that out on the website. There's some phenomenal data and statistics from interviewing retail businesses and interviewing customers about how shopping habits are changing and a whole range of other bits and pieces. If you haven't listened to the last couple of episodes, I highly recommend going back and listening to an interview I did with a chap called Andrew, who was an absolute legend of retail. And then last week, we also interviewed a lady called Sarah. And Sarah is one of the senior team there at BrightPole. And again, some phenomenal learnings about this report and what BrightPole are looking to make as changes as a result of that report coming out. Today, however, this is the first of a couple of episodes where we're going to be talking to a Shopify business owner. Today's sort of theme, I guess, is going to be around what changes brands are making to respond to new shopping behavior. So we're going to dig into what the brands themselves have actually seen happen. I have a very special guest who I'd love to introduce now. His name is Kwame, and he's the CEO of Bond Touch. Bond Touch are a unique touch bracelet manufacturer, innovating technology that allows you to be together even when you're apart. So Kwame, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm very happy to be here. Let's get this going. Cool. Well, it's great to have you along. And just before we dive in, do you want to just give us a little overview to your business, your Shopify store, and how it all started? All right. So the way we usually frame our business is there's a whole industry out there trying to get you to start a relationship, right? So the Bumbles, the Tinders, the there's, there's a whole dating world out there. But once you're in a relationship, it's pretty much, you know, you have a couple of podcasts here and there, Esther Perel, a few self-help books, overpriced therapy. But there's an open market there. There's a lot of opportunity to actually add value to relationships when our customers are in a relationship. And that's where we add value. We've created this bracelet that comes in pairs. You give it to your loved one. You touch it and your loved one feels it anywhere in the planet. It's a fairly simple and emotional proposition. You know, rather than virtual reality, we are we find ourselves in this emotional reality. So it's very much about touch. And 
staying in touch so that we can create happier and, and healthier relationships. And we do that not only through our bracelet, but also through a private space encrypted messaging service we have and a whole bunch of features that the app has as well. I think it's amazing just the concept of you, you've kind of taken, as you say, virtual reality, but it's not just your, you know, your sort of eyes and ears now. It's actually the case of the, the feeling. So you can actually feel something that somebody else has essentially sent digitally. You're getting a physical feeling, which I think is very, certainly a unique product. I certainly had never heard of anything else until we'd scheduled this interview and I'd looked on the website and thought, wow, this is, this is different. You know, this is uh, quite interesting. And, and just before we move on, do you want to tell us how the technology actually works? Like, is it GPS? Does it use Wi-Fi? Does it connect to your phone and use your phone's 4G signal? You know, what, what's actually driving the technology behind, uh, behind the scenes? The technology is really very simple. I shouldn't be saying that. You know, <laughs> say, say it's really complicated and you can't share most of it. But one <laughs> small <cheaper>. thing. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> it's one, exactly. It's, I mean, easier said than done, right? It took us, it took us a while to get where we are because uh, touch is very hard to simulate. And it's not just about getting the vibration right, because what you're sending is a vibration. The technology itself relies on, on you having a phone and the bracelet connects to your phone and your phone connects to your loved one's phone which then connects to to their bracelet so it's fairly simple from i guess a schematic perspective it's more complex when it comes down to actually getting the touch right ensuring that you don't get you know false positives or you're in the middle of something and then you accidentally touch and it's like oh why did i get sent a touch when she knows i'm in the middle of a very important meeting but at the same time it is wonderful when you are in the middle of a, a very important meeting and you get that touch because only you get it and only you feel it and it doesn't bother anyone else. And it just lets you know that the other person is, is thinking of you, right? So the technology itself is really just a medium to get to this level of emotional experience. Cool. I think, I mean, th thanks for the explanation because I think it's, it's important, I, I guess, for a lot of our listeners who probably similar to yourself, they run Shopify stores, they've invested in a product. So again, hearing how the product actually came to be, I think is, you know, is, is certainly very important. And on that same sort of question, how did the website get up and running, evolve? Like, how did you guys go from, here's an idea and we've got, you know, potentially got the product ready or version one ready? How did you guys set up your first Shopify store, if it was Shopify, or set up your first shop, start selling your first few products, and then get to where you guys are at today? So we were traveling a lot at the time. So we have a few other businesses and one of the businesses we still have is a digital, an innovation agency. And we were traveling a lot and we were growing increasingly tired of having to send the same messages over and over again. Oh, I love you so much. Or, oh, I miss you. And it's like, that. oh, the, the emoji and it's like, oh, is this the, is this the, did I use this emoji already? Let me look for another emoji. And then you send the, uh, you send the poop emoji instead of a smiley face or something by accident. You're like, no, wrong person, you know. <laughs> <laughs> so it all started with that very specific need. How do we stay in touch with our loved ones when we have such uh, weird lives where we spend half of our lives in, in airplanes and, and in, in meetings all over the world? So the idea came about in a simple conversation, wouldn't, wouldn't it be nice if we, if we could just send our touch, right? Now, from idea to product, there's a huge learning curve. And uh, first, we tried a crowdfunding campaign, and that didn't go very well. And it's, oh, my God, this is, you know, people 
we talk about it, people love it, but they don't, they're not really, you know, this is not really going anywhere. And we made a few videos, we put it up and we just let it simmer for a while and, you know, it carried on with our lives. And then one of those videos just went viral in, you know, and at the time it was in Tumblr. I don't, I don't know if Tumblr still exists. And because of that, we were like, okay, let's set up a, a small little shop and see if people are willing to not just share the concept and the vision, but actually put some money behind it and pay for it. And we said, look, if we if we get 60% of sales of, of what we need to actually produce this, so we set ourselves a target. If we get 60%, we, we will manufacture this. And Shopify just felt, I mean, you had Squarespace uh, and at the time, E-commerce on Squarespace was a little, uh, not, not so sure. Shopify was a little bit more robust. Uh, we had had a lot of experience with Magentos, with actually creating our own shops for uh, other customers on the agency side. And Shopify just felt easy, right? And I guess that's why we did it. It felt easy, but at the same time, professional. And I have to admit, we always had a soft spot for the founder and the values behind the company. That's something we do take very seriously. And that combination of things, but primarily the fact that it was just super user-friendly and very easy to get started and painless in terms of, yeah, they, you know, they've got a cut from what we make. So that seems to be fair. Just made it very easy to, to get going. And so we, we put up a Shopify shop and yeah, the rest is history. We've been growing ever since and growing actually very very well to our surprise it's always a bit of a surprise no matter how how, <laughs> how often i look at those numbers like ooh. And, <laughs> which uh, is a good a good thing to have definitely it's, it's really a good thing to have but what it does tell you is that you really are adding value to people's lives right and, and that people want your product and that shop front is that primary interface you know i mean 15 years ago how would we have done this right you know you open up a physical store or you have to create your own e-commerce platform. And, and so, yeah, the democratization of that access to, to e-commerce just, just made it very easy for us to get going. Sure. And I think even with things like Magento and whatever, if you're, if you're a business that's at a stage of, we don't know if this is going to be popular yet, you know, we've done a bit of research, but we certainly not tested the water. And I think Shopify is $29 a month. You've got your shop front and it comes with a pre-built theme and you can just start changing stuff. But I love the fact that you've you've mentioned something that I think every single guest I've had on since I took over the podcast hosting in, I think it was June this year, every single guest has mentioned quality of product, fulfill some sort of need, add value to somebody's life. That is how you're going to get repeat orders, get the order in the first place, get customers talking about you. And then everything else, as you say, starts to fall in line. You know, there's there's social media activity, which helps more people hear about you. There's customer reviews, which helps more people hear about you or increase the percentage of people landing on the site and going, well, look, they've got great reviews. And they, you know, then people can come in from there. And I think, as you say, it's uh, starting with the product. You know, what problem are we solving? Where are we adding value to people's lives? And something a lot of marketeers I always find are trying to harness is the emotional element to marketing, which is really difficult for a lot of products. But actually, you guys have an emotional product. You know, you're, the thing that you change is emotion. So quite naturally, it's something close to people's hearts. So the reviews they leave will not be a, yeah, it worked. The reviews they leave is, I feel like I'm with my partner all the time. And that's exactly the reason I bought this product. And so, uh, no, I think, I think it's great. I feel like you, you guys have kind of nailed it in terms of 
good product, good website, and therefore the brand and everything else starts to become quite easy, uh, you know, from, from that perspective. But then fast forward a bit, we reach March this year. And of course, coronavirus comes along. What was your first reaction when you turned on the news or heard that most of Europe was going into lockdown and it kind of hit Italy and, you know, the UK was like, you know, what's going to happen next? And what was your first reaction to, you know, to seeing the news and knowing that this thing was, was actually quite serious now? We had some insider information, if you can call it that, because our manufacturing is in China, right? And so we felt that hit before most businesses that don't have uh, a connection to China in Europe and in the US felt that. And so we did see it coming and we did see the seriousness in it. So we didn't take it for granted. When it started, it was a bit weird because we really saw it coming. It's not, it's not like, oh, it's here, right? We literally just, we, we saw this wave coming. And so from a human perspective, the first thing you, you know, you think about is why my parents going to be fine. You know, like we're all fairly young and we all have older uh, parents and you know how are we going to deal with this from a business perspective we were and still are in an exponential growth stage right scale up as they call them and so we had all these people that we're going to hire and we're like okay are we shall we pause is it wise to pause and we paused for about two weeks. Okay. <laughs> just like everyone, right? Yeah, like, yeah. Like, we, we did the like, same, you know, right? we like, job, job offers out and we said, well, look, can we just put that on pause? And it wasn't quite yeah. two weeks for us, but yeah, same kind of thing. It was just a... Same kind well, of thing, that, right? Yeah. Obvious thing we should do. So to, so for about two weeks, we were a bit in a limbo and, and we just, the, the sales started increasing and increasing and the, the numbers started going up and uh, felt quite relentless. And we just realized this is about staying in touch. This is about connecting with your loved one in an emotional way, in a context where, where people are stranded and where long distance relationships make more sense than ever. And so we, yeah, after those two weeks, we said, look, we really need to continue hiring. And that's what we did. So COVID from a business perspective, I guess we were one of the the few lucky ones in, in that respect, along with you know most of the tech industry and I'm sure Shopify and the likes, I feel like we're, we were very lucky and we continue to grow exponentially throughout COVID and that that growth is still still continues. Uh, now there's a second wave. I see. I also do feel like we're at a price point where people can still purchase emotionally. You know, it's when you start bringing your your system too, and your, your more kind of a deep reasoning that you start questioning, oh, this might be a bit too expensive or I have to save up for this. We have a product that is fairly affordable and an audience that um, really is very, it's really very important for them to stay in touch in as many creative ways as possible. Yeah, definitely. I think, I think it's an important point as well is, you know, I mentioned it already. You guys sound to me like you really are customer first. So everything from, how is the epidemic going to impact our customers? And we were, as a business, will respond accordingly for our customers. And then also the price point as well is, you know, as you say, it's, if it's too high, it'll put our customers off. And it's what I like as well is you, you didn't phrase it in a way that was like, what's the most we can make as a business? It, it's actually, again, you're focused on the, the well-being and the value to the customer as opposed to, you know, it, it, it almost starts to make itself money at that point. You don't have to sort of sit there and go, how are we going to get an extra dollar from every customer order we have? It's more a case of saying, well, let's just constantly focus on the customer themselves and the kind of, 
you know, the, the big foundational and quite, you know, quite sort of metaphoric building blocks as opposed to a lot of businesses that are just trying to scrape that extra, you know, 10p off each click on Google or trying to get that extra dollar per order and that sort of thing. And that's a big success. I, again, I like the fact you guys are focusing on the customer, the products we're offering and what is the value. And that's right the way through then from the pricing to the product itself to the way it's positioned. And which leads me on as well nicely to my next question, which is, you know, you say you've grown a lot during this pandemic, which, you know, you've got the product for it and it's absolutely working by the sounds of things. What technology are you using then? You know, you've mentioned Shopify already. I think I'm assuming you guys are on Shopify Plus and what other technology are you guys using within that, you know, within that sort of framework for, for the business? Oh, well, we're using BrightPearl. It has really helped us accelerate our whole logistics reality. From a backend perspective, I don't know if you want to go into kind of Heroku's and MongoDB's. And, Let's not and go whatnot. too deep because um, I think we'll, uh, I think we'll lose a lot of people okay, if we get too no. technical. But, yeah, <laughs> so BrightPole is the technology that, you know, makes sure orders get sent out on time and all the systems are talking to each other. You know, and Shopify obviously runs the store. Just, just tell us, what are those other kind of key pillars that you're like, I don't, know, I don't know how we'd run the business without this other piece of technology or that we chose this one over here and it's so fundamental to what we do. Uh, you know, to be honest, those two are fundamental. Those two are really the pillars. Okay. And it's when you're growing, it's really very important to keep your, your technology stack as simple as possible. And this is not so much about the stack because we're talking not vertically, but horizontally here, but it's still very important to, you know, when you do email marketing, then that you stick with one and you really exhaust its resources. Like you, you go to the limit of what it can do before you move on to the next, because it's so easy to be drawn by oh what if we could do that or what if but you know do we really need that right now so a level of frugality and of maximizing and optimizing resources has definitely been at the core of of what we do of our choices from a technology perspective just to add to the whole covid scenario if you were most of us aren't really we're in reaction mode right everybody's reacting no one's really being very proactive. Now, now it's starting to now. Okay, this if this is reality, and if it's going to this is the framework we will inhabit for the foreseeable future. Then we can start being a bit more proactive. And one of the main issues really is credibility and trust, because the moment you have everybody going online and every single physical shop becoming a digital shop. And the share prices of Shopify's and 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 the like, <laughs> yeah, uh, just just going doing well, doing very well. Then then you know that your biggest problem is going to be how are you going to differentiate yourself in this very crowded market with an audience that has very very little time, right? A very 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 short attention span, and. And lots of options as well. There's, and lots, yeah, lo- lo- loads and lots, of alternatives. Yeah. I think loads of alternatives and therefore very short <laughs> attention span. And that's where you really need to work. It's not so much about, okay, you know, are we going to go with big commerce? Are we going to go because Shopify is, you know, we're exhausting its features? Are we going to go with, or are we going to go with our own kind of uh, bespoke solution? It's not so much about that right now for us. Uh, it's really more about, as you said, continuing to be very customer focused. If you look at who we hired, 
we really ramped up our customer service area. We hired a lot of people on that front to ensure that we have amazing customer service and work on the product itself, because those are the two fronts that are ultimately going to make the difference in the long run. People are becoming a little bit savvier as to this reality of how easy it is to sell things online and how a great percentage of, of these things are, are just uh, rubbish, right? They're just not working out. There are loads of scams out there and you're in the same boat. You think you're not, but you're in the same boat. So you really need to stand out and you need to work on your fundamentals. And trust is is the biggest one. Yeah, definitely. I, I was actually reading a interesting guide recently about customer reviews, for example, and it was saying exactly the same thing is, you know, you could get a five-star review from 10,000 customers or you could have 1,000 customers, so only 10% of the amount of reviews, but the 1,000 customers that have reviewed you actually use lots of keywords um, and key things that people are expecting to read. Things like, I had an issue, I called customer service, they were amazing. Or somebody says, you know, it said it was going to be arrive within three days and it arrived the next day. And actually, again, it's kind of expectation versus reality. And I think it's it's one thing to deliver on what you've promised. It's another thing to over-deliver that. And again, it's I think it's a case of actually getting the right information in that feedback and how you then, you know, and then it comes into the challenge, which is more on your agency side and more of what we do is, you know, how do you communicate that on a web page within three or four seconds? So somebody lands on a web page, they need to get the right, you know, this is what the product does, this is how good we are, this is why you can trust us, and actually laying those things out into a specific journey. Just jumping back really briefly to the technology, and then I want to talk more about the customers, but jumping back to just the technology quickly, one of the guys at BrightPearl, and I was catching up with them a few days ago, they mentioned, I think it was, was it 40 days you managed to get Shopify, BrightPearl all up and running? And again, comparing that to like you mentioned Magento earlier, you know, trying to get a sort of different, different technology stack or 20 systems to do that same thing. Can you just talk us through very briefly, like, you know, what, what did that look like in terms of actually spinning that up? Was it 40 days? How did it all kind of clunk together? You know, what were some of the, some of the sort of good and bad things about that process? Well, first of all, you know, our head of logistics and ops is, is amazing. So just the first thing you need to do is just hire somebody as amazing as George. He's absolutely a star. Cool. And, <laughs> and what, what does that mean? That means we hired somebody that has had done this multiple times nice. in other companies, right? So it's really, and especially in a high growth environment, it's very important that you have somebody that knows what they're doing. The second thing is your mindset, right? You need to be very positive and optimistic because things are going to go wrong. Yeah, sure. There are loads of connections, right? From fulfilling to the warehouses, factory, connecting to the e-commerce platform, customer support. So it's quite a complex piece of machinery. I know that we did it very quickly also because Bright Pearl, they have a really good customer support service. They, they tend to be very customer centric. And if you do have issues, they're, they're there for you. And the feeling I got from my team is that they were there, they were there for us. And so they, they did help accelerate this transition, which, which obviously is also in their interest. Right. So I don't, I actually think it was less than 40 days, but I could be wrong. The, yeah, the, obviously I, I, I can't speak for, for George and George might be saying, no, 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 it was uh, 42 days. Yeah. And he didn't sleep the whole time. or but, but, uh, there was, <laughs> there was, It was quick, but it's not stress-free, right? And so you do need somebody that is mature enough to actually 
absorb some of that uh, stress and and not exude and contaminate the whole team with it. And it, it's so important, especially in this context where everybody's working from home and and yeah, and you have meetings every back to back until 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 very late <laughs> on Zoom as well. So you can't even have a coffee on or Zoom, yeah, yeah. talk properly. Yeah. <laughs> I think there's a really key point as well about getting the right team in place. And I think that, you know, you talk about George, I think it's, it's the same with every element of the business, isn't it? It's don't, don't just rush in and work with the first freelance PPC expert you meet. I think it's a case of, you know, shopping around and, and actually the more, and we always say it's about interviewing. Every time we're hiring somebody new in our business, we talk to quite a few people before we really hone in on exactly what we want. When you start to see a few different options and that sort of thing. It's why you, I mean, I might be wrong, but I imagine George wasn't the first person you spoke to, or if he was, he completely stood out amongst the rest of them. You know, clearly he is the person who's going to help us grow this business. He knows what he's doing. He can communicate well. He ticks all of our boxes. He knows the technology. He's got the experience, as you mentioned, the experience as well, done this before. And I think that that goes for almost every single role in the business, as well as all the suppliers then that you work with as well. You know, you wouldn't work with Shopify if you thought you're going to have hosting issues if it started to scale, you know, the, again, probably part of your decision to, to then upgrade to Plus at some point was probably along those lines, I imagine. I think actually getting the right team in place can can be so good. But they also say getting one wrong person, like you said, in actually impacting the rest of the team. You know, I've had my fair share of experience both in clients and in businesses I've been involved in where you just got that one person where you're like, right, just get rid of them. They're just like, you know, they're just ruining everything. Every time they talk to somebody, they leave in a bad mood. Everything they say, you question, and they're just not right for this anymore. And um, I think, as you say, it's making sure that doesn't impact the rest of the team negatively. Otherwise, you know, you've got this one bad egg and the whole omelette is completely, uh, completely ruined. I think it's really important to get uh, to get that right. Yeah, at the end of the day, we talk a good game about technology and technology from you know from a product perspective, from an e-commerce perspective, from a platform perspective. But it's a people's game, and it's a team that pulls it all together. And the the core thing really is to have that talent density and to ensure that there is alignment in the business across everyone. That is the real challenge once you have uh, product market fit, once you realize that uh, what you are creating, people really want, right? And yeah, so for example, if you take, you know, if you ask me about Shopify right now, yeah, you go from Shopify to Shopify Plus or the enterprise version that they have. And But, at, you know, at a certain point, as you continue to grow, we're starting to see the the limits and feel the the ceiling within that platform itself, right? So every platform has limits, and whereas a team is just will just grow with you, you know, and so that's that's where the investment should go. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And I think the other thing that you just mentioned as well is about you know Shopify might hit its limits, but going back to what you said about a positive mindset. What a great problem to have. You know, I used to just kind of, if there was a problem there, you know, it's a problem, we need to deal with it. And it would cause me a level of stress. But years ago, somebody sort of sat me down and said, can I just say, all the things you've listed as problems are great problems. Like you have so much work and revenue in the business, you need more people or you've, you've outgrown a platform like Shopify. That, that's a great problem to have. And I, again, just going back to what you said about a positive mindset, I think actually then you you approach everything completely differently because you go into things saying, guys, we've done so well, this is the next mountain that we can all climb together. And it's a very different way of saying, oh no, it's all broken. We're complaining about this, complaining about that. And again, I think company culture is 
you don't often see it in e-commerce because you just see the website on the front, but company culture behind the scenes, customers will know and understand that as soon as they talk to somebody, as soon as they read the content on your website, as soon as they click something and it doesn't work. And again, I just think it's so important to get to get that kind of thing right. But my, my next question really is going back to the customers. Bright Pearl's report talks a lot about customer behavior changing. You've mentioned already that more people are shopping online and that's a common theme throughout the report and throughout the industry at the moment. Are there any other specific things you've noticed as a business that either were or, or weren't necessarily you know, covered in the same way in this report? Things like, you know, are people shopping differently? Are they ordering different types of delivery like click and collect? Or, you know, have there been any kind of real key trends that you guys have seen and been either sort of shocked or impressed by over the last kind of six months? Well, I, I did mention one already, which is trust, right? So the uh, trust and credibility. If you have a product out there in a D2C model, you really need to double down on how to instill trust. The issue is a very human-centric one. Suddenly, we are locked up, right, in in these boxes. And our only outlet really is this digital world. So screen time has gone off the roof, right? And because we spend more time consuming online, we also spend more time exploring online. So suddenly, whereas you know a consumer would have in their behavioral pattern going to Facebook, going a little bit into Instagram, and then checking out the BBC and shopping on Amazon. Now they have more time and therefore a little, a few more options open up. Oh, let me try this. Uh, I heard that there was uh, this new e-commerce that's a little bit more local. I heard that the TikTok is starting to sell stuff. I heard that, you know, so, so suddenly because you are locked up, what you're looking for as a customer is as many different points of view into this reality that you only have access through the screen. And that means that suddenly you and if you're selling online, you start to get this urge to be in multiple channels. You have to be you have to be selling through Amazon, of course, you have to be selling oh TikTok, you have to be on Instagram, you have to be on Snapchat, you have to be on what's that next one, you have to be on Tinder, you have to be, it just never ends, right? And then your your paid media budget goes up. And so if you look at this, you know, earned media, own media, paid media, and shared media, these four little bubbles, you really need to feel where the customer is at, right? And which of these bubbles is going to generate not only more sales, but more engagement and more trust because it's a long game, right? If you're just selling something and then closing shop and then opening a shop somewhere else, it's not a long game. But if you're in this to actually be very customer centric and, and adding value to your customers in the long run, and if you want to create a relationship with your customers, then you really need to understand that their behavioral pattern is becoming much more fragmented. And you need to start placing bets in different channels in, in intelligent ways. Because, and I say in intelligent ways because you have a finite amount of time, a budget, and, and people. And so it's not about your marketing. Suddenly your marketing team will explode and your product team is like, oh, but we should be innovating in product. No, no, no. We should just be, you know, more PPC, more SEO. More. And so what we do is we really double down on focus groups on connecting with our with our users with our customers with our community building a community rather than thinking of them as customers 
right? And which, you know, offsets a lot of the weight that you have to put, a lot of the investment that you have to put in, in customer service as well. So yeah, listening to your customer is is really the, uh, yeah, it sounds, I mean, it's design thinking, it's it's design thinking 101, it's, it's Silicon Valley 101. So it's, yeah, it's, it's, it doesn't, but I, I, w- I will continue to repeat it. It's, it is the most important thing because once you do that, you will make much more intelligent bets and you really have to sink in bets. Everything you do in an unstable environment and the reality that is, you know, where you're having to cope with change uh, all the time is, is you're placing little bets and saying, okay, does this work? Does that work? There's no, no one's really placing huge bets. And yeah, if they are, they're definitely missing the the risk averse uh, part of the part of their brains. So yeah, that's how we are running our business. It's uh, listening to, to to our customers and finding more time to sit down with them in Zoom calls wherever we can in in esplanades and and listening to them and and seeing how we can continue to to add value. Sure, and I think like you've spoken about, you know, people are browsing the internet more and checking you out on more channels and that sort of thing. It's therefore so important that actually, as you say, you don't have a bad presence in any of those places. You know, there's a lot of e-commerce businesses where they're really good on Instagram. The website looks amazing. And then you see they've also got Twitter and you think, oh, I'll go and check out their Twitter page. And just as an example, a lot of e-commerce businesses, their Twitter pages haven't been updated in a year or something. And it, it then leaves the customer with a slightly confused front because you're like, hang on a minute, they're so active on Instagram. They've got hundreds of thousands of followers there and they're really, really good there. Website looks amazing, got loads of reviews. But now I'm looking at their Twitter. It's like they've just set it up and left it, and no one's following them. They're not following anybody. What what is going on with the business? You talk about trust. It's quite an easy and quick thing to lose trust, and I think it's absolutely key to, as you say, choose the right platforms and maybe only start with one or two and build those out, and then have a conversation with your customers. Would you engage with us on Twitter? If you did, what sort of things would you like us to post? Or if we posted this kind of thing, would you follow us? And if they say no, well, then don't do it. <laughs> you know, I think it's a, it's, a, it's a good way to look at that. Exactly. And also be honest about it. Well, sometimes it's not that simple because if you want to grow outside your demographic and start experimenting with new and new audiences, then you do need to, to, as I said, play some bets. But the issue there is is also to be honest. Look, we, we, we've secured our Twitter handle, but we're not going to do much here. So, you know, on Twitter, just put up, look, we're... Hi, we're, you know, we're, we're, we've secured our handle, but we're not really selling or doing much here. Here's the link to where the fun's happening. Follow us here, right? And just really be honest about it rather than just having somebody waste their time posting in a channel that is not really getting any uptake just for just, I mean, what, what you're doing is just to, in the case of Twitter, just uh, enriching uh, Jack Dorsey. And, and <laughs> yeah, so. exactly. I just, I think that a lot of Twitter <laughs> is noise. And I saw in a recent survey that the only people that really engage on Twitter are the ones who are also making noise, which means there's such a, there's a kind of, there's millions of people who are on it every single day, but there's only actually a small volume of people making noise and responding to the noise. And it is a lot of noise. Whereas if you look at the quality of something that goes into a good Instagram feed, you know, you can see that thousands of dollars and pounds have been spent on the photography, who's in them, what the message is, to the point where the users see it and think, well, this is good, good content. Anyway, we're going to start wrapping things up. I think just before we disappear, 
Is there any other advice you'd give, anything we've not covered so far that you think was absolutely critical to your growth or critical to your plans moving forward and, and that sort of thing? What would I like to add? Yeah, is there anything else you want to add just before, just before we say goodbye? So it's a very complex reality out there. We're living in times that are very unpredictable and you have to start thinking of your customers as human beings, start creating relationships, start thinking of community, stop thinking of customers as individuals and start thinking of them as people who inhabit a, a group, right? And I think there's a, a fundamental mindset shift that uh, enables you to then explore different ways to, to actually communicate um, your product and, and your value. If you step back a little and, and stop seeing them as individuals who are stuck in a box. And then when you look at your own business, you need to do the same. You need to stop thinking about technology first and prior, prioritize your team. And when you do think about technology, make sure you, you talk to your customers first and, and see what they really need. Yeah. And then go and, and uh, experiment with tools that would provide for that need. Sure thing. Thanks so much for joining the show today, Kwame. It's been great to have you. And I think certainly some amazing pearls of wisdom in there. Thank you so much, man. Just before we say goodbye, what's the, what's the website address of your site? If people want to come and see your product and check out the business, where can they go to find you? Uh, just Google Bond Touch and you'll get to us. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for joining today. And again, for anybody listening, if it's the first time you've tuned in or you've not hit the subscribe button yet, please go and hit that button up there. You're going to hear a quick message now from our sponsor, Bright Pearl. If you want to get a free copy of the Bright Pearl report that has been released called Winners and Losers, it's by going to brightpearl.com forward slash winners and losers. So that's winners, A-N-D, losers. And the code you need to use is Bright Pearl, all one word in capitals. And again, we'll be back next week with another business similar to Bond Touch with a whole different recipe of advice and different challenges that they're facing. So make sure you tune in next Friday because we'll be posting again then. But from me and from Kwame and the team here at Just Ask Parker, thanks again for listening today and we'll be back again next week. Is your ERP platform able to handle bursts of growth and the diverse needs of cross-channel experiences? Probably not because it's not built for retail. Bright Pearl is 100% built for retail, so you'll know that you're in good hands. Find out why more than 1,000 e-commerce merchants use Bright Pearl's automated digital operations platform to scale efficiently, delight customers, and to make smarter decisions. In an uncertain world, it's time to future-proof and streamline your business. Do so today at brightpearl.com. Sign up for free for the Shopify-approved marketing course at 1000salesandbeyond.com and get our show notes at justaskparker.com slash podcast. Thanks for listening to the Winning with Shopify podcast. See you next time.